This episode is sponsored by Studio Sweden Headphones and Cryptid Crate. This episode is also dedicated to Seward, the pot-bellied pig. You can find him on Facebook. He is a part of the Far North Farmstead, also on Facebook. So uh, go like Seward's page. It's S-E-W-A-R-D. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. You are listening to the Secret Transmission Podcast, discussing conspiracies, paranormal, and the strange. Toby, and alongside me are my co-hosts. Please introduce yourselves. Ladies first. Kristen. I'm Satan. Oh. <laughs> Makes we so much sense now. You're a little feminine that's, bitch. That's our... Uh... I did say ladies first. <laughs> he was real quick. Jump in. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've never really chose a gender. Are you asexual? I am. Can you produce either way? I've got both. Like, like frogs I and stuff? I thought you knew this. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know you were Hermie. Yeah. Everyone must introduce yourselves. Hermie. <laughs> we tried. I'm, I'm kind of loving this conversation, so um, I'm Addison. And I'm Rudy. And uh, the, the Satan fellow, that's our producer, if, yeah. uh, if you've never listened to the show before. In case you didn't. Yeah. Know. So uh, we got a fun topic today. Ooh, yes, we do. Please and, tell me more. And we've got drinks to, to celebrate we it. We do, and I made mine a little too strong, and I'm going to regret it later. We're calling them D.B. Coopers. <laughs> uh, the recipe is pretty simple. Uh-huh. Uh, you just get soda mm-hmm. and bourbon. That's it. That's it. A little it's bit a, of ice. It's a, it's a little bit of ice. Yep. It's a D.B. Cooper. The fact that you said soda, I'm slightly disappointed. Well, that's how oh. he orders it, and we'll get to it in a minute. Uh, it's pop. Huh? No, it's, it's pop. It's pop. It's pop, it's, for our, it's pop for our Canadian kids up at the derailers <laughs> yeah if you're in the south it is coke everything is coke yep because coke is life coke is coke it's coca-cola is live let me just okay anyways can we get on to the topic there yeah yeah <laughs> miss cocaine well, i realized this about. i realized that it coke sounded bad my education coke this coke that she does coke with her seagull friends <laughs> oh god seagull for life you're not going to live that down. I'm not. Go back to our Monster Madness tournament, and you can find that uh, <laughs> deep cut Now I'm seagull gem. for life and a coke addict. That's, and that's any pictures fantastic. of seagulls. You can find Addie eating and regurgitating at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So let's let's talk about our, our, our boy. <laughs> yeah. Our, our D.B. Cooper. Our D.B. Coops. Oh, by the way, I apologize, but um, I completely screwed up, and I was telling you D.B. Sweeney. See, I don't know. That's if that, what it was. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if that's gonna make it. I don't know if that made it on the last episode or not. Uh, no, it I'm, didn't because we talked about it afterwards. But yeah, we had a conversation, and I was like, "Yeah, let's let's cover DB Cooper." And you looked at me, you're like, and you're just like, it. "It's DB Sweeney." And I was like, "What?" No, no, no. You said let's do the DB heist, and I was like, "Oh, DB Sweeney, hell yeah, that's great." Da, 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 da. And, and you're like, "DB Sweeney," and I, and it took it took me like a week to figure out I'm an idiot, and I was talking about the actor. Um, <laughs> who played who played the main character from you know Fire in the Sky? You know, he's big 
big in the 90s early 2000s right and i was like uh, i should i should probably not correct myself but we're gonna figure it out anyway that so. and you screw up all the time so i figured i might as well own my mistake so well that's very sweet of you yeah so i'm an idiot well you and... know what just like you screwed up uh-huh um this is not db cooper his name is dan cooper so oh, when oh. we start talking about dan cooper okay We'll get to why people refer to him as D.B. Cooper in a little while. Okay. But uh, just to sum it up, like to give you a, a quick rundown before we get into the story, mm-hmm. D.B. Cooper is the most infamous plane hijacker yes. ever. Yes. And escaped with uh, a bunch of money, and they've never caught him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So do you want to hear the story of D.B. Cooper? I would love Mr. to hear it. Dan Cooper? <laughs> On November 24th, 1971, the day before Thanksgiving, a 5 foot 10 to 6 foot middle-aged man around 40 named Dan Cooper purchased a $20 one-way ticket with cash to board Northwest Airlines Flight 305 in Portland heading to Seattle. This would have been about a 30-minute trip or so. He was wearing a black raincoat of sorts, a dark business suit, a pressed white collared shirt, a black tie, brown loafers, and he was carrying a briefcase. And in some uh, reports, he's also got a paper bag that maybe had a lunch in it. Oh, okay. Okay, I got you. <laughs> I was like, why a paper bag? Hold on. Well, let's, let's put a pin right there. There is a lot of details that are different from mm-hmm. website to website. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think because this was in the 70s, 71. Right. This entire story has been telephoned through podcasts, through stories, through movies, the the, documentaries, TV shows. The details are starting to get a little muddled. They are. Yeah. And and you'll see what I'm saying because there's going to be a lot of stuff a lot of parts where I stop and say one report says this, another right. report says that. And I want to say um like a year ago, I think it was History that did like a four-part series on him on finding out who db cooper was oh yeah yeah there was something like that i didn't get this i didn't get i I watched the first two hour bit of it and then i never finished it after that right and it was fascinating it really was yeah no it's it's a really crazy case and Mm -hmm. there's so many suspects right and we'll get to it all in just a second so three different accounts recall dan sitting in seat 18c 18e or 15d but they can all agree that it was near the rear mm-hmm. of the passenger cabin. The E's or the D's, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, so he was somewhere, you know, in the far back. Right. Uh, he sat down, he lit a cigarette, and then he ordered a D.B. Cooper. <laughs> a bourbon and soda. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is back when you could smoke everywhere, too. I was about to say, you can drinks. smoke on a plane? Yeah. yeah. Hell, you could smoke in a hospital, so too. So, I say uh, we take a drink yeah. of our, our D.B. Coopers. Addison's not drinking a D.B. Cooper, but she can well, pretend. I'll, I'll drink my Jack Daniels. Okay. I think she called it a bitch beer earlier. Yeah, she got some yeah. bitch beer. Um, her her go- words, not mine. They, it is a, it's a bitch beer. It's Jack Daniels Southern Peach. But I have to make good decisions. So I'm trying to avoid like the bourbon and whiskey. <laughs> well, I don't need to make any decisions, so I'm drinking the bourbon and whiskey. I'm making all the wrong decisions. Mm-hmm. I That's nothing new. applaud my bad decisions. <laughs> hey. However... Yeah. D.B. Cooper, so. So the the plane was only about a third full when it took off on schedule at 2.50 p.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. Around 3 p.m. after the plane had taken off, Cooper handed the stewardess, Florence Schaffner, a note 
She was in the uh, like jump seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that's like the where the emergency exits are. Mm-hmm. They have a little seat for the stewardess to sit down. So she, he passed her this note, and she assumed that you know, Mister Cooper is trying to get them digits and trying to you know right. So she, in two different sources, I saw she put it in her purse. The the note in her purse, and then other sources were like, no, she just put it in her pocket. So whatever. She, put, she, she tucked she, it away. She tucked, she tucked it away. It. Okay. Dan then leaned in to whisper, Miss, you better look at that note. I have a bomb. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Surprising turn of events. Yeah. So the note was written in neat, all capital letters with a felt tip pen. We don't know the exact wording of this note because later on, Cooper took the note back from her. Oh, okay. Dan ended up telling uh, Schaffner to sit beside him. And again, here we go with two different uh, reports. One report claimed that she quietly asked to see the bomb after sitting next to him. Another says he just opened the case to show off, you mm-hmm. know, the, mm-hmm. the bomb. Right. And it was eight red cylinders, four stacked on top of four. Right. And there was a bunch of wires and went to a, like a some type of battery or something. Okay. He told her to write down his demands and to take it to the captain. He wanted... I was wanting the exact quote of like what he wanted, mm-hmm. but I could never find it. It was just always like I had to like put this all together. Mm-hmm. So this is the best I can do. If I got stuff wrong, I apologize. He wanted two hundred thousand by five p.m. in negotiable American currency, and he wanted he wanted it put in a knapsack. And a small note: that's about one point two million in today's money, mm-hmm. says one of the reports. Right. One source says that he asked for all the money to be in $20 bills. Okay. He wanted two back parachutes and two front parachutes. Some reports say that he only wanted two parachutes and that he didn't want military-grade ones, but he wanted the civilian-grade with the with a manual ripcord on them. Right. Which I think that plays into stuff later. Okay. I think, yeah. I or, think I well, remember. theories. My theories, anyway. Right. When they land, he wanted a fuel truck ready to refuel the plane. And he also said, and this is the only real quote I could find, was, no funny stuff or I'll do the job. Mm. Very, mm. uh, very like a uh, mobster. Very 70s mm-hmm. mobster. Yeah, like, yeah. no funny stuff or I'll do the job, eh? Yeah. <laughs> See? <laughs> That's what yeah. it is. See? <laughs> See? She ain't here now. You try anything funny, and I'll blow you to smithereens. <laughs> so Florence took the demands to William Scott, uh, the pilot. Mm-hmm. When she returned to Cooper, he was wearing black sunglasses. And a lot of the cases make it sound like it wasn't just like sunglasses. It was like they had, uh, they they were kind of like goggles. Oh, okay. But I don't know. I, they may have been glasses. They may have been some type of goggles. Right. Florence was... That's not even close to the words <laughs> that I need to read. <laughs> Florence and one other flight attendant described Dan as having a low voice, no accent, and an intelligent vocabulary. He was cool, calm, and very polite. He even tried to tip the flight attendants, but they told him that they couldn't take <laughs> a tip because it was against company policy. I mean... You know, you're you're you've got our fucking plane held hostage, right. but that's against company policy. Idiots. I mean, Here, let me I'm a stickler for this. the rules. Right, right. Good lord. 
So the plane landed at the Seattle airport for the exchange around 5.39 p.m. after circling for two hours while the demands were being met. The passengers were told it was due to a landing difficulty. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was some kind of malfunction. I don't remember, but they told them basically, we can't land just yet. Yeah, yeah, you probably um like um the a landing gear or something. Yeah, something silly. Yeah, uh, he had Scott take the jet to an isolated, brightly lit section of the airport and close each of the window shades so the uh, FBI snipers couldn't shoot at him. <laughs> the operations manager walked up to the plane in street clothes so Dan wouldn't mistake his airplane uniform as a police officer. Mm-hmm. He traded the 36 passengers for the money and the parachutes and had the the jet refueled. Mm -hmm. He kept a few of the crew on the plane so he could take off and fly to Mexico City. Mm. That's the plan, Mexico Mm -hmm. City. So before takeoff, he requested to the pilots that the plane stays below 10,000 feet at the minimum airspeed possible without stalling the aircraft. So I guess he said that it was approximately uh, 100 knots Mm -hmm. and to keep the landing gear deployed the entire time with the wing flaps being lowered to 15 degrees and to leave the cabin unpressurized i don't know plane speak sounds like he did though that's that goes with my theory later okay but he wanted these specific things done Mm -hmm. hmm that's interesting Yeah. yeah yeah there was a there was a little bit of funny stuff that happened that made dan suspicious during the refueling process so the first truck had a vapor lock issue. I'm not sure what that means exactly, but they were having an issue. Right. So they pulled in a second truck to come fill up the jet, right? Right. And the second truck was able to almost fill it, fill it up completely, so they had to get a third truck okay. to come and top it off. Hmm. So, hmm. you know, this kind of made Dan sketchy, but, you know, what else? What other choice did he have? If, right. he, if they're saying, hey... We gotta talk. We gotta fill it up, you know. So Dan was ready to move on to the next part of the plan. The co-pilot William Radikzak, <laughs> I don't even know how to say his okay. name. Okay, told Dan that to get to Mexico they'd have to make one extra stop to refuel mm-hmm. because of all the conditions he wanted to fly in. That they for sure weren't going to make it to Mexico City. Right. So they had to make another stop, and they decided on Reno, Nevada. Go close to Vegas with all that money. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Dan then had the pilot leave the airstrip. Airstrip. <laughs> oh, that's an outtake. It's the airstrip. It's the airstrip. <laughs> it's my Canadian. Don't hit the airstrip. It's yes. my Canadian roots coming out, eh? I need more to drink. I need some more DB <laughs> Cooper. We need some more Cooper in you. The airstrip. Not well, like you, a good old airstreet. You, you, you gotta say it with the voice airstreet. <laughs> airstreet with the bag of milk, know, eh? Yeah, because <laughs> my name's Phil, and I'm from the airstreet. <laughs> Dan then had the pilot leave the airstrip with the rear door open and the staircase down. And again, here's where some of the stories differ, because... A couple of the sources I saw said that he actually left the airport with the staircase down. Mm-hmm. Um, some say that the pilot went ahead and took off. The other ones say that the, the pilot argued that they couldn't take off because it was a safety hazard. Dan ended up arguing like, no, it's okay. Right. And uh, basically what ended up happening is Dan was like, fine, 
I'll just lower it when we get in the air. Right. <laughs> and I guess everything was cool. So they took off around 7.40 to start heading towards Mexico City with mm-hmm. the Reno stop in between. Mm-hmm. Unknown to Cooper, three jets were sent to follow behind. Mm-hmm. And they were supposed to, you know, just keep up with the whereabouts. Right. Obviously, that doesn't help. Like that's and that's the end of the the jets that I really saw anywhere that was important, right? Because they did not keep up with shit. <laughs> Cooper ordered the remaining flight attendant Tina McClough, I think it's Mucklow, maybe, to go to the cockpit, but she noticed him tying something around his waist before she left him. Around 8 p.m., when the plane was between Seattle and Reno, Nevada, Dan jumped from the rear of the plane with two of the parachutes and the money, and. Basically, it's never seen from again. Yeah, that's pretty much the end of his story. All right, guys, that's a great podcast. That's a good podcast. All right, I'll see you next week. (laughs) So uh, all that was left in the jet uh, after he jumped and they Mm -hmm. landed and everything was his black tie, which ended up being a Mm clip-on of -hmm. all ties. It was just a clip-on tie. (laughs) Yeah. But he sounded so fancy. Yeah. So here's the original newscast from 1971. I love clips. I heard clips. Look here, you little shit. (laughs) Yes, Mother? When he got on a plane in Portland, Oregon last night, he was just another passenger who gave his name as D.A. Cooper. But today, after hijacking a Northwest Airlines jet, ransoming the passengers in Seattle, then making a getaway by parachute somewhere between there and Reno, Nevada, the description on one wire service, master criminal. Bill Curtis reports. 36 passengers got off the jetliner in Seattle last night, left aboard four crew members and the hijacker, dressed in a business suit demanding $200,000 and carrying a plain briefcase which he told the crew held explosives. With the full ransom collected from Seattle banks and four parachutes aboard, the plane headed for Reno. It took three and a half hours, slow for a jet, but the hijacker had given detailed flight instructions. The rear stairwell was open all the way. It arrived at Reno in shreds. The crew, here being debriefed by the FBI, was told to fly low over Oregon's flatlands with the flaps down. The speed dropped to 200 miles per hour. Somewhere, the hijacker parachuted away with the money. The crew had little to say. Oh, uh, we gave the information to the authorities, and uh, we just don't want to discuss it any further. Have you been told by the FBI not to discuss no, they handle their investigation, and uh, my company would rather have it released through them. Tina, were you with the with the rest of the crew during during the the flight after you left the ground the last time? Yes, I went up to the cockpit. None of you were within sight of the hijacker, right? Right. We already talked about it, and the captain, you know, still there. Oh, uh, how did you surmise that he was not on the plane when he landed in Reno? Well, a search was made of the plane immediately uh, after landing. As we understood it, he could have gotten off as the plane taxied before it came up here. How did the crew no know way. he wasn't on when it touched no ground? Way. The, the crew couldn't know that, but we had the airport covered. Are the authorities now searching for the Snow covers the mountains in northern California and Nevada, a hostile terrain for any parachute drop, especially at night. Police believe he left the 727 in the flatlands of Oregon or Washington, but they are still looking in four states, even around the airport. Authorities began their search here, thinking the hijacker may have jumped off at the end of the runway as the plane touched down. But the problem is more complex. A daring parachute escape from a flying 727 somewhere between Reno and Seattle, Washington. 
Bill Curtis, CBS News. Okay, so the reason I wanted you to hear the entire thing was because they had a for sure idea like, we don't know when he jumped. Right. Later, we'll get to it all, but the they say that the they noticed when he jumped and that the tail of the plane went up when he jumped out of it. And it... I, I mean, I've never flown an airplane. I don't know if you can tell those things or if you could, if they had the equipment that would tell those things in the 70s. Yeah. But I, I find that really weird that the pilots right there are saying, we don't know. It could have been when we're taxiing. Taxiing means like when they landed and they're, they're scooting around. Right. They think that maybe he could have even jumped there. He may not have even jumped. He may have been hidden in the cargo. Right. He may I, not have jumped at all. That's a good theory. I didn't th- really think about that, but... That's why I wanted that entire clip to be played, because they don't know. Nobody saw him jump. Right. Actually put eyes on him leaving. Because he told the stewardess to go into the cockpit. Right. And the last she saw, he was tying something around him. Oh, that's that would be clever. Make it look like, get all this parachute shit, and then hide in like a crate. Right. Oh, that'd be genius. That's brilliant. Now, yeah. do you want to hear something even more crazy? Hell yeah. Bring it. It was later discovered that the FBI accidentally gave him a dummy shoot. One of the four was a dummy shoot with a large X on it, and uh, he took that one when uh-huh. he jumped. Apparently, oh. so supposedly jumped. they they t- because they didn't they had military ones that they could get real handy, right? So the other ones they had to actually get from a skydiving school, right. and they didn't tell the skydiving school like, "Hey, we're taking these for a ransom guy." You know, mm-hmm. they just took them, and one of them was, was one the of the dummy shoot. ones. Damn, and that's one of the ones he took. So I'm just like, and this may be like stupid and irrelevant, but why, I mean, why would you want a civilian parachute over a military? We'll get to that. I got some theories on it. I mean, we'll, we'll get there. Hold that thought. In the, now remember this happened in 71. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. In 1980, a eight or nine, depending on the report, uh, year old little boy named brian ingram found a paper bag filled with some of the money that dan got away with brian was on vacation with his family on the columbia river mm-hmm. on a beach called the tina bar and it's about nine miles away from vancouver washington you okay are you okay yeah out of breath <laughs> you know how he is whenever he has long word long sentences yeah. and words and he didn't mess it up yeah i did good Oh, I'm so Thank proud. You. Thank fought, you. He Thank you. Like a champ. No, round of applause. He had found three bundles of the ransom money while raking the sand to build a campfire with his father. So how do they know that it was the ransom money? Well, was it marked? Yes. yes. Okay. They uh, took uh, shit. I didn't write this down because I thought I was going to remember it. Some type of like micro picture thing. Yeah. Of the serial numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they know all the serial numbers. Right. So it ended up being $5,800 in cash. The money uh, was pretty bad, like disintegrated since it was yeah, nine years, years later. Yeah. It had been through the water and all the elements mm-hmm. of everything. And it was in a paper bag. Well, and it still had the rubber bands on it. Oh, man. How crazy is that? That is crazy. Because you have a rubber band that's out in the sun or anything it just it starts to deteriorate yeah it snaps and it's just wow so like i said the fbi did confirm that this was money from the hijacking through the uh serial numbers Mm -hmm. most theories believe the money landed in the wash washugal river and slowly made its way down the stream to the tina bar 
So if you see a map, it's a good distance. Like it had to travel through all kinds of bends and turns before it As got down there. As you wiggle your finger around in the yeah, air. Yeah, I was wiggling my finger to <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I just had to point it out because I was trying to figure out where you were going with it's it. It's a geological survey of the, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's a bunch of little S's yeah. and swirls and yeah. wa- The washigal? Is that what you said? Ooh, yeah, I don't know what the, I don't know how to say it. Okay. Washigal? 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 S- sounds great. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. So basically nothing else was found. Right, just mm. just the five thousand nine years later. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take a small Don't break. Change. And when we come back, we will get into the investigation. Hmm. Cool. Can't wait. We'll be right back. Hey Kristen, will you please tell our listeners about the Regent headphones that we got from Studio and how awesome they are? The Regent is the premium on-ear model, with impeccable clarity in the instrumental tones and well-balanced sound. With 24-plus hours of active battery life and 20 days of standby life, the Regent is the perfect companion for you at home or on the go. It will connect to any device that has Bluetooth, but there is also an auxiliary cord if you don't want to use the wireless option. You can also personalize your Regent interchangeable caps, such as white or black marble designs. The combination of high-polished metal and matte surfaces embodies a vision of Scandinavian design. Let's talk a little about Studio. They want to revolutionize the way people see headphones, as not just a tech device, but also an accessory. Currently, the headphones market can offer you one of two things, style or tech. Fashionable headphones tend to lack the proper sound quality, and high-tech variations are bulky and not design-oriented. Studio wants to bridge that gap. While emphasizing their modern Scandinavian design, they also provide a product that matches the quality of even the highest rated headphones on the market for a fraction of the cost. Studio also provides free worldwide shipping. You can also get your own pair of Studio headphones just like us here at Secret Transmission Podcast by going to studio.com and using our discount code. And that discount code is SECRET, and you will save 15% on your purchase. Go to studio.com and use SECRET at checkout for 15% off. Breathtaking landscapes. Mythical creatures. A people cast from the frozen rocks. Time travel to a world of adventure, ritual, and mystery. Time travel with the Twilight Histories Podcast. It's said that when Alexander conquered East, the Buddha conquered West. Now the Greek world is finally, finally at peace. The trumpets rumble from the Acropolis while you debate the Dharma and the Agora. Do not dwell in the past. Do not dream of the future. Just be. Time travel with the Twilight Histories Podcast. So we are back, and we're going to start talking about the investigation of all this. I'm going to guess it's federal, since uh, it was a heist and a hijacking and all that good stuff. You would guess right. They had a code name for this. Oh, I didn't know this. It was called Norjack, the Northwest Hijacking. Ah, okay. Smart. 
So not very clever. Yeah, it's clever enough. Yeah, they just it was the seventies. So, so it was like kind of like J Lo, or you know, yeah, exactly. before it was a thing to mash names together. Yeah, Norjack. Norjack. <laughs> so the FBI were able to get a DNA sample from the tie, along with sixty-six unidentified fingerprints on the jet. And they never caught the guy. Well, there was also DNA on the cigarette butts, mm-hmm. but they lost those. That's convenient. Yeah. Now, yeah. I I never saw anything else more about the DNA sample. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it just led to a dead end or what, but that's two or three different sources were like, they have found a DNA sample. Yeah? Maybe, maybe it was one of their guys and they didn't want to admit it. Right. So they, they ended up releasing all the serial numbers on the $20 bills to try to help locate him mm-hmm. to casinos, racetracks, and other businesses that, you know, had money in and out, in and out. Right. And uh, they also reported to law enforcement agencies around the world. Northwest Orient offered a reward of 15% of the recovered money to a maximum of $25,000. In 1972, U.S. Attorney General released the serial numbers to the public. I bet that's for, like, uh, coin collectors, money collectors and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. I bet that's a, a gem to have in your collection, a, a, a Cooper 20. Right. That, right. Yeah. And you know if he if he's washing all if he's laundering all that money those those numbers go into circulation and then they're just wherever right yeah and he's got clean money so if he washed it right away they're never gonna find the dude yeah so a local uh, reporter named James Long had a deadline that he had to meet uh-huh. about this uh, story he ended up confusing the suspect DB Cooper with Dan Cooper so basically oh. in short. That's how D.B. Cooper was D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. Okay. Now, in that news report, they said D.A. Cooper. Did you right. notice yeah, that? Yeah, I did notice that. I didn't know what that's about, but I thought that was an odd detail to throw in there, too. The case ended up having... Now, I saw one source say about 800 suspects, and then another Holy one said that there was crap. more than thousands. Or oh, more than a thousand. Right. Not, not thousands, plural, but more than a thousand. Uh-huh. And that they basically narrowed it down to about... 24 mm-hmm. that they really think may be the ones <laughs> but you know, we'll get to that in a I, I was joking off air when i when i yelled at addison it's like oh there's like 40 suspects it's like oh my god it turns out there's like over a thousand yeah you know, yeah there like, could right, possibly well. i mean they went through a lot of these people uh-huh, but we'll uh-huh. get we'll get to them in a little while weren't a lot of them um just random call-ins with like suspects like hey i think my neighbor might be db i Cooper. think so uh, I think it's the same thing we got with the witches or the werewolves. Oh, yeah, yeah. I really do. I can't confirm that, but that's that's how I felt when I heard right. about it. Because I've even got a couple of the suspects that we'll talk about in a little while where that may have been the case. It's like some old lady's like, my da- my neighbor's name's Daniel Brewer, and he looks just <laughs> like the sketch. Yeah. you know. Co- so. But his, name's, his last name's his Cooperson. Last name's not- yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just Cooperson. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So we'll get to them in a little how while. How cool would that be, though? To have someone that looked so freaking similar, mm-hmm. I mean, like, not for them though. No, that would suck for them. It, it's, well, yeah, but it's crazy when you when we start talking about the suspects. It's crazy how almost every single one of them look like because there's three different sketches. Right. Uh, they look like one of the three sketches right. always. Right. And it's so crazy because they don't look alike with each other. But when you're comparing it to the sketches, you're like, okay, I see it. I yeah. see it. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely him. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Dan was originally going to be charged with air piracy, and that had the uh, five-year statutory limitations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, when it was getting close, 
when when no suspect was had been convicted yet, a grand jury said that he violated the Hobbs Act. Basically, it has no statute. Statutory. Statutory. Statute of limitations. Statute of limitations. Uh-huh. He could be convicted whenever, and he couldn't get away with any of it. So that's kind of like um, murder. Yeah. Murder has no statute. If they find you twenty years later, they can arrest you for the crime. Right. If they if they found enough evidence. So this is a fun fact to, good information to, to have. throw in real quick. The pilot is one of the pilots, anyways, said that he picked the route that they were flying, and Cooper had only picked the end destination of Mexico City. Mm-hmm. So the Reno stop was never Cooper's plan. Right, because uh, he said they needed to refuel before going to Mexico City. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I just, I think that plays into things later okay. with anyone's theories. It's it's hard for everyone to pinpoint where Dan would have landed due to the aircraft speed, the environmental conditions, the altitude. And the, the fact that it was at night. It was at night. The mm-hmm. the amount of time that he would free fall before he pulled the ripcord. Right. There's a lot of factors but to play into this. Yeah. So when people are like, "Oh, it had to be right here," no. I mean, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Hell, they don't even know when. You he don't jumped. even know how. Yeah. Wind, like yeah, and like wind speed, and I mean all. I mean, there's so much that you're you can't. There's no way that it can be pinpointed. Right, and. Nothing showed up on any kind of radar when he jumped, and the pilots didn't see anything. The the pilots that were flying the plane and then the pilots in the other three jets right. did not uh, see anything. Like I said, it was at night, and it was a uh, a very heavily clouded night. Mm-hmm. And he was wearing black. Right. So nothing's, they're not going to see this. And if by chance he grabbed the shitty parachute they wouldn't have seen a parachute yeah <laughs> that's very true you know <laughs> they would have just been like did you see that nah it must have been a bird <laughs> <laughs> that's a big bird <laughs> so i have um... to wash that off my windshield <laughs> <laughs> um the best estimate of time they can give for when dan jumped would be around 8 13 uh-huh. p.m and was during the, a rainstorm over the lewis river in southwestern washington okay so they believed he landed near mount st helens or just in that general area right the fbi searched the area on foot by helicopter they searched boats someone said something about submarines in the area i don't Uh, i don't what in a river that's what I was thinking. I was thinking were... more like kayaks, but not submarines. <laughs> Somehow, I, feel like I, I just felt different. like that was weird, too. I didn't even write it in my notes. I, I'm bringing this up out right. of my notes. Because someone said submarine, and I was like, wait a minute. Uh, right. Are those rivers and lakes that big? Well, it, it Maybe also it in was relation close to, to the coast. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. May have been. I don't. Yeah, I'm not real sure. But they even went to uh, like door-to-door to all the locals, because there's a bunch of farmhouses and stuff, right. and, and searched for them, and they're... Like, hey, do you have this man hiding out in your barn, sir? Yeah. But but if they were able to confirm that that five thousand was Cooper Cash, he had to have survived and he had to have done something though, right? I got a theory for that. Okay, I, I've got a bunch. I've made up my own theory on this. Okay, and I can't wait to to lay it all out. I'm on really interested and in, to hear it. Like it's it's very um complicated. It's very complicated. I feel like my whole, my theory is anyway. Well, I feel like they it would almost have to be because there's so much. Right. This this is already complicated. My theory is complicated too. Right. I'm just curious. Like, I wish I knew more about, like, aerospace stuff. Because right. I feel like all of that crap that he had asked for, like, the 
way that it like flew and stuff would make a difference somehow. Yeah, there's something to it. That that falls into my theory. Okay. <laughs> In 1972, during the spring, the FBI, with the help of uh, with the help of army soldiers, searched searched the area again. They searched for 18 days in March for clues, and then they searched another 18 days in April and came up nada. Two local woman and two local woman. Two two local woman. To, uh, Sounds like an Aerosmith song. <laughs> two local women. <laughs> two local women. Okay. Does that sound better? Yes. yes. Beautiful. Ended up finding a skeleton in the in an abandoned structure in Clark County, only to find it was the remains of a female teenager who had been abducted and murdered. Murdered. Fuck. <laughs> murdered several weeks before. I know what's going in the outtake reels. <laughs> no, that's just murdered. saying. That's just there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Murdered. <laughs> Two men named Donald Sylvester Murphy and William John Lewis used counterfeit twenty. To, oh, this is all in the nineteen seventy-two. I'm okay. making sure. Okay. Uh, they used uh, counterfeit twenty-dollar bills printed with Cooper serial numbers to extort thirty thousand dollars from a Newsweek reporter named Carl Fleming in exchange for an interview with a man they falsely claimed was the hijacker. Wow, that's they, brilliant. They tried to cash in. On a crime uh-huh. by committing a crime. a crime about another crime. That's so cool. Using the serial numbers from a crime. From a crime. It's so oh. crimeception. It's unbelievable. It's a crime with it. It's like uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's p- playing the lead in the next movie. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So letters were sent to the New York Times, Washington Post, Los Los Angeles, Los Angeles Times, and Seattle Times with confessing. You don't need a drink. <laughs> I didn't write that right. Oh, okay. I you thought it was see- I thought it was the Cooper that no, was no, making no. you screw up the Cooper. And Seattle <laughs> Times. So letters were sent to uh the New York Times, Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, and C- and the Seattle Times with people confessing to the crime, reporting that DB Cooper had passed away or someone claiming to be his brother or a relative. Right. By 1973, people were giving rewards from $1,000 to $5,000 for a Cooper serial number uh, $20 bill. So, so far, no bills were ever found. That's so weird. Yeah. That's very weird. In 1975, Northwest Orient's insurer, Global Indemnity Co., okay. mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever, their, their insurance company paid the airlines a $180,000 claim on the ransom money. Later, on the landing spot for Dan, that was determined to be further south southeast uh-huh. than originally estimated, closer to the that Washington River or whatever that mm-hmm. weird river is. Yeah, July eighth, two thousand sixteen, the FBI announced it was suspending the active investigation on the Cooper case. So it has officially been suspended. Right, a couple years ago. Gotcha. So how about we take another break? Okay, one last break. And then we'll start talking about the suspects. And then my theory that I keep teasing. I know. You're worse I feel than like now females. that it's suspended, like, he's probably going to, like, pop out of the woodworks. He's, like, a 90-year-old man. Even or, if they did, he's still subject to... I know, but it's like you It's like you get that feeling like, okay, well, you know, let's give it a little right. bit and they're going to forget about me. He would be the, pretty, pretty 
old at this point because <laughs> it was the 70s. They said he was a middle-aged man. He's like 40, so, I think. So let's say 40. It's been 40 years. Uh-huh. He's 80. Hey, I was almost spot on. Okay. Uh, if it were me, I'd be like, hey, hey these fuckers never going to catch me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'll never get me. I'm, I'm in the retirement <laughs> home. They'll <laughs> never catch me. I'm keeping my seat. It's like, I'm going to die in 10 years anyways. I, Why I'd, not? I'd be, I'd be watching it on like the History Channel. Uh, just laughing. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know, if, if he's still alive, you know that's what he does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, they're way off. Yeah, they're way off. They it's don't like know. not even close. Okay, we'll be right back. Are you fascinated with the paranormal? Do you love good stories? Ones that are shrouded in mystery, intrigue. Stories that evoke that spine chilling sensation we love to hate. Stories that make us wonder can that really be true? If so, Unearthly Paranormal Stories is for you. Join me every other Friday for a new story based on real paranormal experiences. For more information, check out our website at www.unearthlypodcast.com. Hi, I'm Dina Marie, the host of the Twisted Philly Podcast, and I've got a question for you. Do you love podcasts? Because I sure do. And that's why the podcast community, Podcast We Listen To, is hosting their very first podcast convention for listeners. It's called Pottern Love. The Pottern Love convention is for listeners by listeners. It's for all of us. And it includes podcasts from every genre you could imagine, including comedy, movies and TV, pop culture, paranormal, history, health and fitness, true crime, and so many more. Our first convention is August 10th, 11th, and 12th, 2018, in one of the coolest cities in the country, New Orleans, Louisiana. And it's being held at the Intercontinental Hotel, which is a premier French Quarter hotel. The location is amazing, and the room rate can't be beat either. It's only $129 a night. Tickets are on sale on the website at www.pottern.love. That's www.podern.love. L-O-V-E. There are over 40 independent podcasts already lined up to present at Pottern Love, and we'll be adding more before the convention. Plus, featured podcasters have discount codes, so you can get a discount on your tickets. Be sure to follow Pottern Love on Twitter and Facebook for the latest convention updates, news, information about new shows that are joining, and links to a dedicated website just for Pottern Love attendees to book their hotel room. We can't wait to see you this August in New Orleans. And we are back to talk more on who is D.B. Cooper. Uh, apparently it's just Dan A. Cooper. Yeah, I still don't know where that A. D.A. Cooper. I mean, really, if we're piling up the evidence, uh-huh. that even makes things weird. Right. Why? Where did they... If, if initial reports were calling him Dan or DB, right. where did they get the DA? I don't know. Maybe he was a district attorney in another life. District attorney Cooper. Oh. <laughs> Hijacked a play. We just solved it. We got to find whoever the district attorney is named Cooper. Ooh. You're welcome, guys, to crack the case. Yep. Okay, so who was Dan Cooper? There's Tony Hinchcliffe. Uh, I guess he's a comedian. He he wrote a book or something. <laughs> okay. He was on the Joe Rogan Experience and claims that his family knows who DB Cooper really is. Huh. I would play this clip of him talking, but it goes absolutely nowhere. Basically, okay. he says that he was gonna put it in his book, the story of 
how he knows D.B. Cooper. <laughs> right. Bless, Bless you. you. Bless you. Oh, Bless, Bless you again. Sorry. <laughs> nope, not giving you a third one. Bless you. Hit me all of a sudden. Satan bless you. <laughs> Satan bless you. <laughs> Sorry. That was really I bad. have blessed you, bitch. Uh oh. Satan, <laughs> Satan bless Uh-oh. you. Yes. <laughs> You're such a dick. That's creepy. What <laughs> a weirdo. Okay, um, what was I saying? Um, uh, oh, he was on the Joe Rogan experience. Yes. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Please don't say his name. I'm sorry. I think it's a beer that I'm drinking. Damn, it, Satan! Me. Oh, you're having an allergic reaction, huh? Mm. So, uh, like I was trying to explain, <laughs> this comedian, this comedian, he he was gonna write this uh, story about knowing uh, Dan Cooper mm-hmm. or DB Cooper mm-hmm. in his book, um, and basically the the uh, editors, what's it called, the writing company, a uh, publisher, the publisher, mm-hmm. the publisher. Ended up saying no and cut that part out. So he decided he'd tell the story on the Joe, Joe Rogan experience. Right. And it leads to nowhere. Uh, okay. It, basically, he's like, yeah, we know. Or my family knows. And he he tells this entire story about how he knows him. He's had dinner with him. His family's had dinner with him. Mm-hmm. But he's not giving his name away. Then, what's, then why even bring it up? In the first place, if you're he's not and he says he's a, well. There's two clues that he does give if he is correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, first clue is he's still alive. Second clue is he was either partial or full, but he was Native American. Okay, because one of the things he said was like when they asked like, well, where do you get all this money? He says, oh, it's uh, Indian money. <laughs> oh, okay. Because apparently, I guess Native Americans get money. I, I don't know how that That's works. I know they guy, get a lot of benefits. Well, this guy was saying something about, well, he told me that he gets money every month. And when you get older, you get more money. So. Like a social security. I guess. I don't know. Sure. It's I know that's true in some aspects, but I don't know to what ex- extent. Right. So and you can go find it. Joe Rogan Experience. Yeah, you may have heard of it. It's mm-hmm. kind of a small show. Yeah, it's a little show. The next one I have. Because now we're just going to go through suspects since we have names for these. Okay. And they're not boring like that. <laughs> Kenny Christensen. He was a flight attendant for Northwest Orient Airlines for almost 30 years. On his deathbed in the 90s, he told his brother Lyle, I have something important to tell you. But he was interrupted by his, the rest of his family and he never got to finish the story. Oh. So somehow his brother started putting little pieces together and remembered Kenny coming into some money. And buying a large house with no explanation. And this happened all shortly after the hijacking happened. Hmm. They look ridiculously similar. Are you looking at them? Yeah. Yeah. All these, I guarantee you, look just like it. So look up Kenny Christensen and the DB. Did I say that there was three different sketches? Yes. Mm -hmm. Because it's funny. You'll you'll compare one of these guys to one of the sketches, and it may not look like two of the sketches, but it'll look like the third one. Oh, okay, I got you. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, we'll move on to Don Burnworth. He's a former United Airlines captain. Burnworth says that his ex-wife instigated all these troubles, and he was cleared by the FBI in conjunction with the skyjacking. I don't like that. Was in my research a lot that they wrote skyjacking. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that. Uh, that's why I kept putting hijacking. I, I didn't take that one out. Oh, okay. 
Skyjacking sounds dirty. But his his initials are DB. That's true. Whoa. She may have been just trying to get at him. Oh, okay. Because he was keeping their three daughters away from her. Uh, oh, oh. He ended up getting yeah. arrested. He's the only one that actually served time for being D.B. Cooper. Really? Like, it wasn't very much time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they basically arrested him for that and then arrested him for possibly being D.B. Cooper, but he got released. So none of these guys matched any fingerprints that they had? I, I guess, I mean, I, I didn't look real deep into these. Mm-hmm. I just got the bare bones of, of these uh, suspects. Right. Did you look up Dan Burnworth? Mm-hmm. Does he look like any of them? Is that, is that it? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember all these guys. They all look alike. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> That's the sad part. That's what popped up when I typed it in. And That's probably, it's probably right. Yeah. All these middle-aged white guys look the same. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. 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 All, yeah. all white people I mean, do look similar. Sure. In some aspect or another. It says Racist. a white girl. Yeah. <laughs> Racist white it girl. It says a basic one at that. Well, you, I mean, I'm sure to a lot of people, like a lot of tan, white, blonde chicks. Have, have you ever seen look identical? Um, That's uh, true. The Twilight Zone, the number 12 looks like you. Mm-mm. There's, uh, everyone looks the same, mm-hmm. but there's only like so many face styles, and they, at, at a certain mm-hmm. age, they get their face and. They pick between 1 through 12 or something like that. Oh, no way. Yeah, it's something weird like that. Anyways, that's cool. I don't know. That was weird. Uh, <laughs> the next one is Dwayne Weber. While lying in a Pensacola hospital bed nine days before he died of kidney disease, Dwayne Weber confessed to his wife, Joe, that he was Dan Cooper. This is great right here. That's not great. Not him passing away. Poor guy. R.I.P. She didn't understand what he was telling her, and he ended up getting pissed. And saying, "Oh, just let it die with me." He was so pissed because he's, she, he's, she's like, "He's, he's, I'm, I'm Dan." Cooper. He was so upset that she didn't get the reference. He was just like, "You know what? Screw it. I'm done. Fuck it. Like, I don't it. care. Come on, kidneys, <sighs> fail on me now." I just, I see that in a comedy movie. Like, it's, yeah, he's like, "Fuck it. Never mind." Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> like you hear the, yeah. It's like gets really slow and then it just bottoms out. So That's later, funny. she ended up realizing that. Dan Cooper mm-hmm. was D.B. Cooper since the newspapers had gotten Dan and D.B. mixed up. Right. So it dawned on her. And then she she later found that her husband had a second identity that he would use when he was younger named John C. Collins. A man going by that name registered at a Portland, ho- at a Portland airport motel the night before the hijacking. His picture doesn't look like the original sketches. Mm-hmm. But it does look like the the other sketches of him, the later sketches. Yeah, you're right. All of these guys look like a sketch. Yeah, they look exactly like the sketch. But there's three different sketches, so mm-hmm. it really opens that... Uh, well, I feel like these, the last couple ones that I've pulled up have all compared it to the same... Has it, was it? I've... I think when I looked at it, it looked like... Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember which sketch is which. I feel like all the sketches, though, are relatively similar so yeah. i'm a basic bitch and i probably can't tell them apart <laughs> the next one is william gossett he was a marine and a army paratrooper his two sons went on coast to coast and said their father had confessed to being db cooper williams was about 510 and he would have been 41 in 1971 he was a talk he, he did a talk show radio mm-hmm. gig mm-hmm. where he talked about the paranormal and weird stuff. Yeah. I, I saw one place that said that he even covered D.B. Cooper 
uh, I, I want to say that this was the guy that that one documentary I was telling whoa. you about really focused on. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff with this one. That I didn't get is... real deep into it because there's that just so many suspects, is... and I wanted to get a handful in. But there's a lot of weird stuff. Um, I, yeah, I can't even remember the rest of it. Because but a they, lot of people... they, they were even saying that in order to pull off a jump that he pulled off, at the, at the time of day and all this stuff, he would have had to have had paramilitary training yeah. to be able to pull it off and safely do it at night. Right. So... He was their number one suspect he for a long time. He looks the most fucking freaking similar. This one is mm-hmm. really interesting. Mm-hmm. Barb Dayton. Okay. So in 1978, Barb confessed to her friends that she was D.B. Cooper. Yeah. She mm-hmm. had formerly been Bobby Dayton and had her, the first gender reassignment surgery in Washington State in 1969. Mm-hmm. Okay, remember... 1969 is when she underwent surgery. Right. 1971 is when... The heist happened. So, there's a book called The Legend of D.B. Cooper, Death by Natural Causes, if you want to check out more on this story, because I'm just going to give you the real brief thing. But Bobby Dayton pictures look similar to the sketches, but how much did he look like a woman by 1971? Two years later. two years later, yeah. After his surgery, like... How far was he transitioned? Right. Was he was he tra- not transitioned enough to where he still had manly manly features? I don't know, actually. And there's no pictures of that anyone can find of mm-hmm. him, her during 1971, because at that point he would have been her. Mm-hmm. He would have mm-hmm. been Barb. Right. Well, so, but I mean that would explain. I mean, you're wearing a suit. You got a like a big you know overcoat on, like chop off the hair. I mean, there are guys today, like like guy guys, that have feminine facial features. Right, but I'm just saying, like, if they were going... Because if you look at the pictures of her, mm-hmm. I mean, you would never really think, oh, that, that used to be a man. Right. So at what point did, did she go... Because the man pictures say, look like a man, the woman pictures look like a woman. I'd say two years later... You, you've got to be pretty good. You're committed already. Yeah. I mean, you've had the surgery, you're done. I mean, yeah. you look at Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah, I mean... She hasn't even done the surgery. He he hasn't even done the <laughs> surgery. So, here's your sign. The, uh, the next one is Sheridan Peterson. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm saying that name right. Sheridan. His nickname was Dan. <laughs> he was a smoke jumper during the 1950s. Not really sure what a smoke Sheridan, jumper is. Right? I think Sorry. that's... Yeah, I don't know what a smoke jumper is. I don't either. Uh, uh, maybe like a firefighter type? Uh, yeah, I don't know. But he was a founding member of a of the Boeing Employee Skydiving Club. Okay. He mm. had knowledge of the capabilities of the Boeing 727 jet that was flown. Right. Uh, just like I mean, that's the one that was used in mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. heist. He parachuted during a Boeing promotional exercise while wearing a business suit and toting a 50-pound sack of white flour strapped to his legs which dreamed behind him during his free fall. His alibi, this is good, mm-hmm. he says he was raising two small children in a mud hut in Nepal and writing his accounts of American atrocities in Vietnam when Cooper hijacked Flight 305. Hmm. That's a hell of an alibi. He's got a bunch of crazy uh, alibis. Like when the FBI started investigating him, mm-hmm. uh, the agent was like, 
this is the most interesting person I've ever <laughs> because mm-hmm. uh, that I've ever interviewed because mm-hmm. he just had so many outrageous stories of all the places he's lived and all the places he's been everywhere. Right. That's funny. So the next one is L.D. Cooper. LinkedIn. Marla Wayne Cooper claims that her uncle, Lynn Doyle, mm-hmm. L.D. Cooper, is the hijacker. And you know what? I got a clip. Oh. I love clips. Let's hear it. Oh, clips. And this morning we have the exclusive story from the woman who believes she knows the infamous hijacker, D.B. Cooper. And her name is Marla Cooper. Who do you think that D.B. Cooper is? Well, I'm certain he was my uncle, Lynn Doyle Cooper. Wow. Who we called L.D. Cooper. And you're kidding me. Cooper, as in D.B. Cooper, no, this is not an alias. No. You believe that your uncle was D.B. Cooper. Yes, I do. My uncle L.D. was wearing a white T-shirt, and he was bloody and bruised and a mess, and... I was horrified. I began to cry. I asked them what happened. They told me that they'd been in a car accident. And my other uncle, who was with LD, um, said, Marla, just shut up and go get your dad. And I ran inside the house, and I was spying on them from around the back of my grandmother's house. And I heard my uncle say, we did it. We, our money problems are over. We've, we've hijacked an airplane. They told my dad um, they wanted him to help them go back into the woods and find the money. Marla recalls two conversations with her parents that ignited her suspicions about her uncle's identity. My father made a comment about his long-lost brother, my uncle L.D. His remark to me was that, he said, don't you remember he hijacked that airplane? That was 1995, just before her father died. Then in 2009... My mother made another comment, a similar comment, and that she had always suspected that my uncle L.D. was the real D.B. Cooper. So, yeah. Hmm. What do you think of that? That's fascinating. She overhears conversations. Sounds very convenient. Mm, I mean, a little girl remembering stuff... Right. From a long time ago, 30 years ago or something. I can't remember mm. what exactly she said. Uh, she was like, what, like eight at the time? Yeah. And I don't know. It just, I wish I knew more about LD, like what mm-hmm. his background was. Well, not only that, but you know how people tend to tell stories, you know, mm-hmm. just joking around or whatever. And then it gets and taken to, too far. Yeah. Getting to an eight year old girl at the time or, you know, you know a maybe, young maybe, child. He, maybe he got like a good job and he's like, Ah, we pulled off the heist because D.B. Cooper would have been a popular thing to be talking about. Right. And you, you know, your name was similar. Right. It's like, ah, we pulled off the heist. And, you know, and she stops listening and turns out he got a really good job somewhere. Right. You know, so. Mm-hmm. I, there's a, I, I don't want to debunk that because right. there there could be anything. No, 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 you're right. But, but I'm, I'm just saying. It, it is so, it reminds me of when we talked about like the Flatwoods monster. Mm-hmm. You had a bunch of kids that were like, oh, I saw, or the the Dover demon. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I saw this thing. Well, you're, you're a little kid. And like, congratulations, by the way. Oh, yeah. To the Dover demon. Yeah, yeah. The Dover demon was our monster madness champion. Yep. People were not a, not real happy I, about that. Yeah. Mongolian Deathworm was the fan favorite. Yeah, for sure. it sure was. Go back and listen to those if you haven't. We just spoiled They're, it for you, but yeah, sorry guys. They're pretty great. You should have listened to them in the first. I'm place. sure you'll edit in a spoiler alert like nah, right here. You always it's there. do. It's there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. 
So I got two more suspects. Mm -hmm. The this one is Robert Rackstraw. Mm -hmm. CBSNews.com claimed in a February second, two thousand eighteen article, it was a man named Robert Rockstraw. Rockstraw is a former Stockton resident whose family also lived in Calaveras County, mm -hmm. which I guess is this area. I don't know the counties in that area. Okay. An attorney who represented a team of private investigators named Mark Zaid said, We showed one of the letters to a former member of an Army intelligence unit that Robert Rockstraw used to belong to. Zed says the former service member recognized a set of digits in the D.B. Cooper letter as a code he and Rockstraw used to use, use in their unit. It said, Can FBI catch me? Dash SWS. Zaid said, which stood for Special Warfare School, where Rockstraw went to learn coding. Rockstraw's attorney says his client lives in San Diego now and maintains he is not D.B. Cooper. The FBI issued a statement reading after this development. They still don't have the evidence to solve this case. So I'm, I'm guessing this is, they're comparing to a letter, one of the many letters confessing to... Oh, okay. That's that's where I think these letters come from. I couldn't really figure it out. Yeah, because you're like letters. I'm like, what letters were one of the many many letters sent to all those of people confessing? Yeah. Okay. Ooh, five months before the hijacking, he was booted from the army. Yeah. Oh. So a book came out called "The Last Master Outlaw," and I guess they filmed the author trying to question Robert, mm -hmm. um, or maybe it was for a documentary. I couldn't really get the credit for this clip I'm about to play. Okay. But there's Ooh, someone... Another clip. But there is someone questioning Rockstraw. I'm going to start approaching him now. The investigative team moved in, backed by three armed investigators, including two retired FBI. Innocent men don't hide in storage bins. You said you could answer all the questions. You had reasonable answers. I have reasonable questions. I'm not D.B. Cooper. Go away. You're wasting my time and your time. Wouldn't an innocent man do that? An innocent man would say no. When you ask him, are you D.B. Cooper? Are you the person who boarded a flight I just tell you on November 24th, 1971, identifying yourself as Dan Cooper? Maybe did you I hijack the plane when it was coming out of Seattle toward Reno? Did you Maybe jump I out? Maybe I wasn't clear, Jim. Maybe I wasn't clear. Don't are buy, you that don't, person? don't try and play Junior Dan Ryder. Are you D.B. Cooper? I realized that that this man is probably a sociopath, more recently known as a, a psychopath or an antisocial personality. Clinically. Clinically. Did you board a Northwest Orient flight <clears throat> on November 24th, 1971? What difference does it make? As a name Dan Cooper, because yeah. if you're if you're D.B. Cooper, the world would want to know your story. Sure they would. So would the FBI and the secret indictment in Washington, D.C. Bob, you're a folk hero. You're oh, a folk no, hero. Nobody on. cares. Look, Nobody, the only thing I have is a Silver Star, a couple DFCs. means nothing, okay? I helped a lot of guys in combat. That's I it. have no doubt about that, but why would you say in your first <clears throat> trial that you had 40-plus commendations and five Purple Hearts? Better Do you have five guys. Purple Hearts? <clears throat> purple Hearts are nothing. Are you a lieutenant commander? Goes or? Goes off in your face and so then why do you have a Purple is. Heart plate? Silver Stars was for saving guys' lives. Why do you have a Purple Heart plate? Why do we have Silver Stars? Why do we have this thing we fly But if, if you're not telling the truth on something that simple, <clears throat> where, where does the you truth begin? You haven't told me. Did you board that Northwest flight and hijack it? Why are you so evasive about what should be a simple thing to say because no? Because you guys make such a big deal out of it. Highly respected former FBI Special Agent Jack Tremarco declares with conviction 
I think that uh, Mr. Rackstraw is uh, D.B. Cooper. I think it's time for him to take credit for what he did. So I, I think these Purple Hearts he's talking about, mm-hmm. I think he uh, got caught in a lie. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, I kind of figured that. That was the documentary I saw. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. see, I, I could not find what documentary it was. I'm pretty I just sure, found that clip. I'm pretty sure that's the one that was um history channel did okay the four the four? the like four or five parter right they were like two hours a piece and i only saw the it first did, one you know what i do believe it had a history logo at the mm-hmm. bottom of that clip uh i'd have to go back and look right but, uh it's weird that he's not just like i'm not db cooper <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. the whole time he's trying to fight him on yeah, it. he's just kind of being an overall crotchety old man and he's like why, why does it matter why does it matter and then he even says like why would you want me to admit that? I don't know. It's just, right. I, I wish I could, he, sorry. I, I was just going to say, I wish I could see that documentary now. Like, I really want to watch it. Mm-hmm. I read that he was a real rule breaker. Uh, really? Yeah. Like, well, he used to, like, steal his I, commander's jeep or something like that. Well, he, like, already, he seems like a con man because there's something to do with those purple hearts and he's got a purple heart, uh, purple heart uh, license plate tag. Mm-hmm. So people know he's a, per- you know, he's what yeah. he's done. And I feel like he's probably lied about that because that's why he's like, do you have a purple heart? And he's like, yeah, purple hearts don't matter. They're nothing. And he's like, yeah, but why do you have the tag if, if you don't have a purple heart? Uh, so I think yeah. he's, he might be a little uh, bit of a con man. Tell, too. That, tell that to people who have received purple hearts, you know. Yeah. So, no yeah, shit. For, like, that's seriously insulting. Uh, yeah. No kidding. But according to uh, dbcooper.com, it's part of the thing that I've stumbled upon. said, uh, but when he was off duty... His former Vietnam superiors claimed he was a rule breaker, con artist, and thief who rode around in a stolen commander's jeep. Jeez. He was a little badass. Yeah, apparently so. So the last person I have is Richard Floyd McCoy. Mm-hmm. FBI agent Russell Callum believes mm-hmm. Richard McCoy was D.B. Cooper and even wrote a book with a man named Bernie Rhodes. Mm-hmm. So... You know what? I should have looked up what that book was called so I could plug it for him. But right, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Richard. Sorry, Bernie. And I think it was one of those where they just threw a suspect out just so he could say, "Oh yeah, here's who we think." Well, in April 1972, five months after Cooper got away, mm-hmm. they arrested Richard for hijacking a different plane. That's mm-hmm. right. Yes. The reason okay. it's believed that he was also Cooper because he did the exact same thing Cooper did. Parachuted off of a Boeing 727 mm-hmm. at the rear stairs, requested four parachutes, stayed calm, just like Cooper, passed a note about a bomb with the same phrase, no funny stuff, mm-hmm. and both hijackings happened during, uh, oh, this is this is really weird. Both hijackings happened during the breaks of Birmingham? Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it? Birmingham? Birkham. Birkham? Birkham. Yeah, that, that yeah. Brigham Young sure. University? Brigham Young, yeah, it's Mormon school. Okay, so they were on break, and McCoy was actually attending as a student there. Okay. Both hijackings happening during the breaks. The book that you were talking about yeah. is uh, D.B. Cooper, The Real McCoy. Okay. You can find it on Amazon. Oh, because his name's McCoy. Oh, oh I get it. I'm so Shut clever. Up. They're so punny. <laughs> so he was ruled out of the Cooper case by the FBI because an alibi he had was he was having Thanksgiving dinner with his family and uh he didn't really look like the description the the witnesses gave. 
Uh, Not that he didn't match the the sketch. sketch. I was going to say, he he looks real similar. He doesn't look like what the description... I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me because you would think the witness... Well, not only that, but um, a lot of the details were already leaked by then, and he could have just copycatted. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and apparently there were copycat cases Mm -hmm. of this. Mm -hmm. So I didn't look up all the copycat cases, but I heard that uh, it opened the floodgates. Oh, yeah. There were quite a few. Uh, he was caught after his hijacking and was sentenced to 45 years in prison, <laughs> but later escaped in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, and uh, ended up dying in a gunfight with FBI agents. Shit. So we never got any kind of deathbed confession or anything from him. He died in 1974. Yep. Oh, wow. So It's very so convenient. If he was Cooper, nobody ever... No one knows. Yeah. For sure. And he's not going to be able to tell his story years nope. later. Mm-mm. So... That's all. There's a, probably 40 more suspects oh, we can go man. through. Yeah. But every one of the. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that is so going to cost you later. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it was fucking unintentional. Oh, well, we know how to be professionals on this show. So, who do you think? Any of these, your guy? That's DB Cooper? I'm kind of leaning towards the dead dude. The last one? Yeah. I vote for the real McCoy. You think the real Punny McCoy did this? <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, my vote's almost going to be for that crotchety old man. Which oh, the one that was the like one that was. Well, being why, why do I need to tell you? Why do I need to tell you? Because he seemed like a real asshole, and he seemed like, like a bit of a con. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you got to vote for this, Kristen, or do you even care? Nope. She's finishing her DB Cooper. I think it's the old man. The old man the, the old that man. we heard from. Mm-hmm. I like I like him. I don't have one suspect. Mm-hmm. They're all so. There, there, there's their stories all work for all of them. Yeah, yeah, every one of them are fishy, and it's so crazy. I think this is the Applause only applause to him though, yeah, because right. I mean he's he's definitely been off the radar. Yeah, yeah. For damn it, jeez, two in a row. I'm sorry. How the fuck is your phone doing that? So I, I, I don't like I said I don't have a specific. Uh, mm-hmm person i think did it mm-hmm. but here's here's let me lay out all my stuff yeah okay since the pilot picked the route mm-hmm. it would have been impossible for dan to have an accomplice waiting on the ground because a lot of people are like oh he had someone waiting right dan knew he was going to jump but would have no clue where he was going to be jumping to since he didn't know the full route ahead of time like he knew new Me- or not new mexico mexico city mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he didn't know about the stop beforehand plus supposedly where he jumped wasn't it a very heavily wooded area very heavily yes okay. so he knew what he was doing well and it would have been hard for somebody to pick him up in a heavily wooded area so here's my theory about that bag of money that was found okay i think at any point i think that was meant to be found right he put some of the money in that bag mm-hmm, mm-hmm. threw it out that rear before he jumped or set it on the stairs before he jumped. So it would get blown off or... You don't think he buried it on purpose? But no. it's not that much money. $5,000 in the 70s is a lot of money. 5000 mm-hmm. It was a little in over 5000 yeah. Not that much. Out of, out of the 200000 that's just a drop in the bucket. But that's why I think he, he, he threw that much away, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because then people are going to be like, we found this. Yeah. So now we're going to search this area because there's got to be more. Right, but it took him nine years to find it. Right, because it's one of those things that were like, well, it just got miscalculated on everyone's part, you know? Yeah, on, yeah. on the real Cooper's part. And mm-hmm. I just, I feel like there's something weird that why, why was there just, if there was a paper bag in, in the 
since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Why not have that money with the rest of the money in the knapsack? Throw people off. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. I you get what th- you're saying. So you throw that out. Right. And and it was just to throw them off to make them search the wrong areas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe sense. he knew how to skydive, but he didn't know military equipment. Because that's why he specifically said, I need civilian equipment. Mm. Because he trained mm-hmm. with civilian equipment, not military. See, that's a good point. That is a good point. Because if what? if there's any difference, I mean, if if you've never skydive, skydive, <laughs> if you've never done skydiving, yeah, if you you've whatever the past tense of, if mm-hmm. you've never, I was about to try to skydived, if you've never skydived, you wouldn't know that there's a difference. I wouldn't have known. Mm-hmm. I had no freaking clue that there was a military. I mean, I guess I should have known. It's right. obvious once you say it, and you're like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. But he knew that there was two different kinds. Uh, there's a lot of people saying he wasn't wearing the proper clothing, and then it, the, the raining and the dark, right. so he would have no clue where he was landing. He wouldn't have been able to land safely because he didn't have safety clothing. But just like the one guy that parachuted with the flour or sugar or whatever it was, oh yeah, that that proves that he could have made it exactly. Now it's raining. I get that. That's I don't know how skydiving works in rain. I wouldn't think it's too much different, but I could see it. Affecting yeah. things a little bit. If you had a landing zone, right? I think it's, there was something fishy about him knowing the specifics of the degrees of the mm-hmm. wings he needed. Just that alone, not the altitude, not the rest of it, but he knew down to the, the angle of the wings. See, that he and that needed. blows my mind. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know anything about airplanes or, mm-hmm. or anything, but he. But maybe someone former aviation. Yeah. Uh, people think he wasn't experienced because one of the parachutes was actually a dummy chute. I think in the heat of the moment, he grabbed the wrong one. Okay. Like, I, I don't think I don't think he just picked it up and was like, oh, this is a parachute, it'll work. I think it would have been a more of the heat of the moment trying to make my escape. Either that, or he used it to hold the money in. I don't know. I, I don't... But were the other three parachutes found? Did he? The did other, he... the other, no, no, no parachutes were ever found. There are cases where people thought they found pieces of the parachute mm-hmm. in the forest and stuff, but it wasn't. So if he took all four, he only took two. Okay, so if he took two of them, there's two left over. And he had, um, and he took one of the dummies. That's still a fifty-fifty chance he took the right one. Right. And if he was familiar with civilian skydiving equipment, he'd have known. Right. It was a dummy. I don't know. I mean, if if it's a dummy in, in the same weight and everything, you know, he might not know. It, it, you don't know how like dark it is, or or. True. Yeah. I mean, there there might be some factors in that. If if it's the same weight and everything, like you mm-hmm. might, it, it like I said, if it's the heat of the moment, you're, you're you might not you might throw it on and be, but you might not notice that it's it's the dummy. If it's mm-hmm. got the same weight, you're you're trying to hurry. You're t- now there was also something I forgot to mention uh, that he took some of the cords from the other one of the other parachutes, mm-hmm. and that's what people think he was tying around his waist. And I don't know, I don't know what that would have been for exactly. Mm-hmm. Maybe to tie the bag to him. Who knows? Whatever. Tie the bag, or he was wearing like an overcoat, wasn't he? Yeah, keep it from flapping. Oh yeah, I guess that's that would have been smart. Yeah, there was one theory that said that as soon as with with how the uh, the stairs were down and stuff, mm-hmm. as soon as he would have hopped off the stairs it would have sent him into a crazy spin and that they don't think that he would have been able to adjust from that position. Mm-mm. Well, see, and I've never gone skydiving. It's about to pass tense it and that would have been wrong. Anyways, um, but there's like a certain, um, 
like you have to have like a certain form and you have to jump a certain way to successfully right not so, spin out and yeah lose which so, ways up and down because apparently that happens really quick mm-hmm. 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 i've heard it's really difficult like if you don't to straighten back out mm-hmm. yeah like get your footing your bearings in the, yeah that because <laughs> it wouldn't could be footings anyways get your air footings yes but honestly, I mean, those are those are all the theories that I think kind of fall into all this. Mm-hmm. But I think the the main part of this is that we, all of us, podcasters, storytellers, documentaries, we're muddy in the waters on this story, and we're confusing it now. Pretty much. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the stories said that he only got two parachutes. Some say that he got, the majority of them say four. Mm-hmm. But even when you say it once, someone reads that article, and now they're like, oh, it's two parachutes. It, it casts suspicion or doubt. Yeah, some so you, or misinformation. Yeah, some doubt some, and misinformation. I feel like it's the same kind of concept. Well, uh, misin- like, misinformation is on purpose, whereas doubt, it's like, okay, well, which source do I go with because I'm getting two or three different things? Well, right, but I mean, like, I feel like as far as the case goes, like, you just need one person to cast a little bit of doubt. Mm-hmm. For it to be like, okay, well, now we're going to have to go back and try to prove that this is what he... Anyways, okay, continue. Yeah, there's just... There's a lot of odd details. Like, some people do bring up that he was carrying a brown bag when Mm -hmm. he came in. Or, not a brown bag, but a paper bag. Right. But then a lot of of sources don't say anything about it. But then they find the money in a paper bag. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's... Which, you would think that paper bag would have deteriorated. Was it even in a paper bag? Was it just... Yeah, how'd they find it? That that's you know, that's what, what I read was the one of the things I read was they found it in the paper bag. But Buried. aren't aren't paper well, bags underneath decomposable? The sand because mm-hmm. it like it had washed up on the shore and the sand had just gotten on top of it. What? Aren't paper bags decomposable? Yeah, I'd Deco- say so. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot of weird stuff that doesn't fully make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just maybe he was alive and around that area. And he planted that bag nine years later. But it was so decomposed. Like the money, when you, if you look up pictures of the money, mm-hmm. it's all tore up and ratty looking. Uh, it, it looks bad. <laughs> like all the ends are all tore off. Living that hobo life. Living the hobo life. <laughs> but yeah, this that's Dan Cooper, D.B. Cooper, many of the other names that we read. Right. <laughs> Whoever right. you want to believe it was. And we have solved absolutely nothing. No, no, no one has. That's mm-hmm. what's... No one ever will. I think this is going to be like the Zodiac Killer. We're never going to find out who did it. Yeah, or Jack the Ripper. It's just going to be, it's one of the few that just never will have an ending. Right. Which is... Someone's going to have to turn up today with most of that cash with the serial numbers. There's, there was, I'll add one more thing. There was one person that said that they, they passed away and they had all the money in a, uh, uh, what are those, safety deposit box. Mm -hmm. They they had $20,000 in a safety deposit box. One of the sources that I was uh, watching uh, talk about this, they were like, wait a minute. How did they have $20,000 in a safety deposit box? Or was it, how much was it, this money? 200000 200000 It was 200000 then. Yeah. And they were like, how did they have 200000 in there? Because it should have been you know, $194,000. Minus so, because, that five, Because whatever. that 5000 right. was missing. Right. And it was all 20s. Right, so well, maybe so maybe maybe they're he, rounding up, I guess. I don't yeah, know. or 
you know, it, maybe he did have that bag when he entered the plane, and maybe that money was already in that bag. I, I maybe it wasn't a lunch. Maybe he had a little bit of extra. Because, I mean, let's be real. You're not going to, because, I mean, you're sitting there like, yeah, I'll, I'll tip you, you little flight attendant person, with the stolen money. Doubtful. I wonder if that's what he was. I wonder if he had the money already when he was like, here, let me give you a tip. <laughs> I know. That's a really good I've idea. I've been like, dude, are you fucking with me right now? They're going to take that right from me. He's like, it's, right. you can't do that. <laughs> Well, do we uh, have anything else we want to say about this? No, not really. I mean, it's just one of those great, confusing cases. Yeah. To kind of look I want to know. If you uh-huh. are Dan Cooper, please get in touch with us. We won't, we won't rat tell you out Im- immediately. Yeah, because there's no statute, man. We ain't going to put you away. Yep. You know. You're about to die anyways. I don't think they really care. <laughs> if he's Unless he's already dead. Yeah. yeah he there's a lot died of deathbed in... confessions. Oh, yeah. He could have yeah. died in 1974. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, Just throwing that one out there. Yeah. I guess that's gonna do it for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I got. I, I don't really have anything. It'd be kind of cool to, if, like, he took that bag of money and then just right off the side of the plane and just let it fall where it landed, and then he didn't get off the plane and he was hiding somewhere well, the whole time. You heard they thought that maybe he hid and mm-hmm. on that one and jumped out when they landed. I don't think he jumped out. I think he waited till like all the desk cleared and then like snuck out in like a cargo container like, oh later yeah on. yeah because mm. you know you take the plane in for processing because they're gonna have to do like a search on it and everything in forensics and they'll they'll isolate it so it could have been a ma- magician is what you're saying he was not necessarily hiding. A magician, but just he had a place to hide for an extended period of time because i mean he'd, he'd had all this planned out he knew what he was doing so he put a couple bundles in his lunch bag yeah tossed it out went to hide mm-hmm. and kept the rest yeah and then whenever, you know, they were done or they left the plane alone for a while, he snuck out and the rest Changed of the history. Changed his parents, grew they're his all, hair out, all, and now he's a chick somewhere. They're all, look- <laughs> yeah. they're all looking over here, and he's actually right there in the plane. The Kansas City Shuffle. Yeah. Everybody looks left, you go you right. You go right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hope I hope at least five people get that reference. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, let's wrap this up. Everyone say goodbye. Bye-bye. Ciao. We appreciate you listening to this episode. Please make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at Secret Transpod. We have a Facebook page. Just search for Secret Transmission Podcast. We also have a group called Secret Transmissions Secret Group. And uh, you can just chit-chat with uh, us and other listeners. We are a part of the Dark Myths. So go to darkmyths.org to check out some of the other wonderful shows. They also have a Twitter account, so follow them at Dark Myths Pods. If you'd like to support our show, we have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash secret transmission. We just recently released one of our news episodes for free. So if you want to check it out and see if it's something that you might like, you can donate a buck. You can get them every two weeks. We're going to be doing the news reads and then also some extra goodies. So please go check that out. And with that being said, I'd like to give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Chris. So thank you, Chris. And our other Patreon supporters are Bobby, Ray, Edwin, Katzley, Zanger, Lynn, Vincent, and Miles. So thank you all. Another way you can support us is going to tpublic.com slash user slash secret transmission. And you can order a t-shirt. We have a bunch of designs. And every t-shirt you buy helps fund our show a little bit. 
Make sure you check out our sponsors, Studio. Go to studio.com, use the promo code SECRET, and you can save 15% on your purchase. And it's free shipping. You can't beat free shipping. And those headphones, we've been using them for a little while now. They're great. They're soft. They fit good. They sound great. They're Bluetooth. They're awesome. So go check that out, studio.com, SECRET, for 15% off. Also, go to cryptidcrate.com and use the promo code SECRETPOD, and you can save 20% on your first purchase. So if you're a fan of cryptozoology, the paranormal, or just the weird in general, make sure you're subscribed. There's a bunch of goodies every month. If you get a chance, go check out the 401 files on YouTube. If you are a fan of aliens and paranormal and Bigfoot, I'm sure you're going to find some very, very interesting videos on that channel. So go look up 401 files on YouTube, and you can follow them on Twitter at 401files. That's going to do it for this week. We hope you come back and listen to us try to explain the unexplainable. Your, it adjusts your levels randomly, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's wild. I don't, I can, it sounds like the fact that I can only hear you out of one ear really throws me. No, it, you can hear it doing the audio up and down randomly. Oh, that's so odd. That's what she said. Oh, up and down randomly. Up and down randomly. See, I, I don't get that effect because I only have one headphone, so it trips him out. Oh! It was going on. I feel like this is what the. Uh, Look, it's this is an 80s synthesizer. No, it's the. We want a song.
What is it? Let me see. Take me to your leader. I did say this. This is what I think the Flatwood Monster would sound like. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I have the Flatwood Oh, this is so odd. I wonder if another deep voice would sound cool. I sound like an 80s sci-fi movie. It's perfect for us over here. What? Tell me which song it is. God, I cannot think of it. What song are you trying to play? I can play it here. It's Rihanna's. Shine bright like a diamond. No. What is it? I don't know. Oh, you want me to go now? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to tell you the story of a woman named Lydia who was a housewife in a very suburban neighborhood in Southern California. However, one day it was discovered that Lydia had terrible, terrible secrets. Gas. Lydia I, I was really expecting that to be terrible gas. I've already done, I've already done a <laughs> I gas. I thought it was going to be shit. I've already, so. done a, already done a gas one, so I don't, I don't like to reuse the same stories <laughs> if I can. Was that the first one? Huh? Was the first one Lydia with the gas? No. No, Lydia you with the secrets. That's what I want. Yeah. Y'all got to be quiet. I found out that I can wear jeans with like holes in the back of them as long as it's not on my ass. Why? Well, because people at work don't want to see my ass. I beg to differ. You, um, you work at a rock pit. I do. This is just as bad as working in a lumber mill they or, or a warehouse. They want to see your rock pit. I don't have a... <laughs> I didn't just, work. Just, just go with it. <laughs> is it because it holds boulders sometimes? Oh! Ouch. Yeah! I said sometimes. Are you talking? Ready to say goodbye, Roger. <laughs> <laughs>